Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Sports Roundtable. My name is Bob Branco, and this is episode 324, dated Monday, January 29th, 2024. And before we continue, let me introduce the panel members that are here. We have Don Wardlow. Say there, Bob. How you doing? Doing well, thank you, Don. Reverend Michael Garrett. Reverend Michael Garrett. I did hear you come in before we started. I'm assuming that you... I'm, I'm, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Had to mute for right. a second. Okay. But yes, welcome everybody. I'm from in in a bright, sunshiny, sixty-eight degrees, Missouri City, Texas. I'm jealous. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yes. we're we're cold and a little bit uh, misty and snowy here and there, and it's blah. cold here. I don't know about snow, but it is cold. Holy yeah. cow! Well, you're in New Jersey. I'm in Massachusetts. Our weathers are pretty similar most of the time, anyway. Yeah. Well, we I'm not sure. I'm not sure where Peter or Luther are. I'm sure that when they do arrive, they will make their presence known. So we'll just anticipate their arrival. We also have a guest who is supposed to be on today, and if he comes in, I will proudly introduce him, and I'm sure he will let us know when he arrives as well. Let me thank those people who make it possible for Sports Roundtable to be available. Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place, thank you for posting our shows on your chat line. Our media outlets, thank you for airing us. Raymond Gay, our producer, thank you for helping to put out a quality program after you edit it. And then, of course, we have Jacqueline Sylvia from JS Web Solutions, who archives our shows on my website. Just go to www.brancoevents.com. Arrow down till you get to Sports Roundtable Podcasts. Click on those, and you will see all of our archives, or at least most of them, from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie! And Peter has arrived. Hi, Peter. Yeah, Peter's here. Hi. Uh, I was I it up I was in Coop. do that for you, Peter. Oh, well, I don't know what to say. I made it. How is uh, it up in Coos Bay? It's gorgeous. It's 70 degrees and sunny. Wow, it won't last, but uh, it's a beautiful day here today. So, well, take it, take it while you can. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. I want to thank Steve Power. I, I think Luther signed in also. Okay. Well, while he's signing in, let me thank Steve Bauer for being our host for today's program. Steve, thank you for taking the opportunity to join us and to help us out today with our production. We appreciate it. And hello, Luther. Hello, Luther. As our guest arrived, Arthur Haynes. Okay, well, we'll just carry on, and when he comes in, we'll turn the festivities over to him and focus I on him. I am here. Hi, guys. There you go. Before yeah, we Luther. continue with uh, the meat and potatoes of our sports discussions, first of all, there are two scandals to talk about today, if we have time. But I have a question. It's only going to take a minute, and then we can get to the football and everything else that goes with it. Why does the National Hockey League need 10 days off for an all-star break? Well, Nashville's still playing. They got two more before their all-star break. 
They got tonight, and they got Wednesday. Oh, I thought the whole league took 10 days off. I inquired no. about that earlier. Na- Nationals got two more tonight in Ottawa, and then Wednesday in LA. I think it's a 630. Okay, how about the rest of the All-Star break? How about the rest of the league? Uh, I think Columbus is still playing. I think St. Louis is still playing. I think the last team that plays, I think the Predators, I think, and that's... Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, that's fine. I I had assumed that the whole league was off because a lot Uh of other teams are off. But if they're not off yet, then I stand corrected. Not yet. Uh, Not not every... No, but for those not, teams who are off for 10 days, I'm wondering what sense that makes. I don't know, but I guess they're past the halfway mark of their schedule, and they just get the full – they get the full – oh, Arcane is coming in right now. Okay. I, I just heard his uh, things was about to pop in right All right, so uh, shortly. without further ado, let me introduce well, let, let's our Let's wait for him to pop in first. Yeah, all right. But All right. Well, when he pops in, I'm sure he'll say. I, I know. I know Bruins. I know they finished up theirs Saturday at the Wachovia, so they finished up their little first half of the season. Bruins, like yeah, they were in Philly, game 45 there. or 46, which to me is kind of redundant. To me, you're you're past game 41. You only have like 30 something games left, so you're more than halfway. Well, they called this the official halfway mark, even though it's not the actual halfway exactly. mark. Exactly. Same thing with up. basketball. Same which old is, Which is kind of dumb. Yeah, well, you know, well, as a Bostonian, I shouldn't, shouldn't say a Bostonian, but as a Boston sports fan, I'm proud that both the Celtics and Bruins have the best records in their respective leagues. Then we've got the Red Sox and Patriots who are the Well, I, I think the Patriots opposite. are going to be fine. I, I think once Gerard Mayo figures this thing out called coaching, They'll be fine. They but still I am have a little concerned about. They still have I, to do personnel changes, though. Well, I I hope they find a GM that can take that off his plate, so he doesn't have to do that. Uh, well, well, we'll see how that progresses. Mister Haynes, are you here yet? I am. All right. Or, well, let me formally introduce you and thank you for taking the time to be on Sports Roundtable. Well, my pleasure. I'm honored this, to be asked. This is Arthur Haynes, ladies and gentlemen, and <laughs> and. You wear a lot of hats, and so what I'm going to do is ask you what you do, because I'm sure that you <laughs> you can describe everything for us. Well, I do less now than I used to, but uh, I'm the Kansas City Chiefs pre, post-game, and halftime radio host on their network, and have done that for 16 years. Cool. And then uh, I'm the voice of the Missouri State uh, Bears football, basketball, and baseball, and this is my 43rd year of doing that. You have a lot of experience. So you worked I, with uh, Mitch Holtis. Yeah, in, indeed. Work with Mitch. Cool. He's, he, he's really the guy that... Uh, so let's start with the Chiefs. Yeah. Let's start with the Chiefs. Uh, uh, I'm the guy from Missouri and sort of got uh, hooked, with the, hooked on the Chiefs when I moved after Columbia. Chiefs to make it this far. I thought they'd lose to Buffalo in the in the in the quarterfinals, as it were. Uh, but they seem to have done their done their thing. Uh, I would imagine Kansas City's pretty excited. Pretty excited, and uh, it's been so different this year because it's been defense that uh, they've depended on throughout the year. Uh, you know, in years past, that was a weakness, and they just tried to outscore people, and usually did, but. Uh, now the offense is not as explosive, 
Uh, it is more, dare I say, uh, Brady Patriots, uh, death by a thousand cuts, uh, only occasional shots downfield and settling for the stuff underneath and, and then running the ball efficiently. But uh, the, the defense has been what really has carried this team week in and week out. And against uh, Baltimore on Sunday, I mean, they put up 17 in the first half. It's like we've put up our 17. Uh, I, I think that's enough. And it turned out that it was. Uh, the defense, of course, Legereus Sneed and, and Trent McDuffie have played wonderfully at corner all year. And Sneed with the, the strip on Zay Flowers at the goal line when he's going in for a touchdown. I mean, that was an all-pro play. And, uh, so that really has been what has carried the team. And uh, uh, now the, the offense, uh, the, the two games before against Miami and uh, Buffalo – uh, was more efficient and proficient than it had been most of the season. A lot of uh, they lost the key. Lot, they lost the ahead, key Mike. player on defense yesterday. O'Minahue. I'm sorry. Charles didn't O'Minahue. hear the first part. Charles. They lost a key key player on defense. Yeah. Charles O'Minahue. Yeah. Torn ACL. Torn ACL. So uh, that that will hurt certainly. Uh, you know, George Karloftis, a second-year man from uh, Purdue that's, you know, he's turned into the leading sacker on the team, uh, a little bit even more so than Chris Jones. But, the uh, yeah, being without Amenahu is, is going to hurt, no question. But yesterday they were without the left guard, the all-pro from New England, Joe Tooney, and they, they, they plugged that hole. And uh, They've been without Willie Gay and before that Nick Bolton of the linebacking court, Drew Tranquil. Uh, has really done the unsung hero. I mean, a guy that came from the Chargers where he was a starter and thought he's just going to come up and be depth. And he's ended up playing uh, key minutes and having the, the green dot of the defensive captain a good part of the season. So, yeah, not having a minute who is going to hurt, but they've, they've overcome injuries before. And not a lot having of, Nada didn't help either, but, uh, you know, that didn't, that didn't football, affect him either. A, a lot of football fans are starting to compare Kelsey – I mean, not Kelsey, I'm sorry – Mahomes to Brady. Do you agree with that comparison? Should we compare Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady right now? Well, got a ways to go. I mean, and and I think I've always said it's intellectually uh, uh, lazy to only say, well, how many rings? Uh, you know, that's that's what people ultimately gauge a person on. But uh, I, I think Dan Marino is probably a better quarterback than Eli Manning. I think most people would agree with that. But Eli's got the two rings. Uh, but having said that, uh, Mahomes has got two right now going on three if they can get this next one. And the fact that they have been to the Super Bowl now for the last five years, I mean, that's that's dynasty territory. It really is. Now, they got to keep it up. To I mean, the, the what the Patriots did is just unprecedented, and I don't know we'll ever be, be matched. But uh, Mahomes only 28, and as long as he's there, I think the, the window is going to be open. Isn't that crazy, though, that Mahomes and Reed and that coaching staff have gone to the bowl four out of five and they're on the verge of trying to win three out of five? I mean, that's something you don't even see from even a rookie QB and a rookie head coach and a coaching staff that's put together like this. But four out of five? That's yeah. crazy. It's, For a team is... that didn't even get to the Super Bowl until after the 60s. Right. Went from, from 1969 until 2019 and even 50 years uh, for them to do that or that, that period of time. Uh, yeah, it really is in a league that is built on parity. And that's what everything is 
is uh, built around that, you know, you're going to try to give everybody a chance to, to do that is, is really remarkable. And the late Pete Roseau would have hated this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's intriguing, what's intriguing, intriguing to me, you, you pointed out a minute ago, Art, was the fact that they used to thrive on explosive offense, but they're now winning with defense and just enough, uh, just enough offense uh, with uh, Mahomes being the the architect back there, or the or the the ex the guy who executes the offense. Who's the CEO yeah, of the offense? He had to make some some extraordinary plays yesterday, scrambling mm-hmm. and and throwing passes. And Kelsey made some great catches. The other guys chipped in where necessary, but. <laughs> But when you got a good, a great quarterback to to orchestrate your offense, it it certainly helps. It certainly helps. Well, no doubt. And you know, the the last year of Tyreek Hill uh, being with the team two years ago, I think really uh, teams started taking away the deep ball, or at least trying to, and forcing Mahomes to uh, take what w- was given, and figuring that he wouldn't have the patience to do that. And I think he has shown that, uh, that he does. I mean, and, and that is what, you know, uh, uh, I saw a, a talk show today, not sports, but where one of the hosts said, you know, that Mahomes guy, he's so good. It's annoying. And that's how people used to think about Brady outside of new England. You know, that mm-hmm. is a, a huge compliment for people to be, be sick of you because you're winning so much. So, you know, if you say the, the chiefs are the new Patriots, uh, that's, that's a compliment I'll take. I mean, you know, how I huge is Steve? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Luther. How huge has Steve Spagnolo, the D coordinator, been for that defense? I mean, it feels like no matter what a team tries to do, Steve Spagnolo is reading their mail and adjusting and adapting the game plan to whichever team is supposed to be playing. It just feels like Spags just knows what to do and he knows what to take away and forces you something you're not comfortable with. And you look at the second halves of the three playoff games, they've allowed a total of 10 points mm-hmm. in the three uh, second halves. So those are the adjustments that he makes at halftime after having made the game plan initially during the week leading up to the game. You know, when he was the Giants, D.C., and, you know, he had a great array of talent around him and thought, well, you know, that's it was the players. And then he failed as head coach of the Rams. But uh, getting a second chance here as a, as a DC, he's he's really proven how brilliant he is on that side of the ball. No question. I mean, he's bringing he's bringing secondary guys, linebackers. He's bringing dropping linebackers and buzz coverage, bogey yep. blitzing, and it's like, but it's nuts. Yeah, keeping thoughts, them off balance. What are your thoughts about the enemy? I mean, he was first he, for a <laughs> long time. He was the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, was brilliant. Uh, has has uh, you know, of course gone to the c- commanders. Um, what do you think? What do you think his future holds? And there was uh, there are a couple of rumors that he might come back to the Chiefs. I heard a while back. What are your thoughts about him? Well, uh, the offensive players just swore by him, like the defensive players do Spagnolo. And <laughs> I know there was a lot of fan discontent uh, in the middle part of the season with the offense and wanting the enemy back. There was even a rumor they might hire him, hire him back for the playoffs. But, of course, that, that didn't happen. Um, but no no question, uh, it was a better offense. Uh, and whether that's entirely Matt Nagy's fault, I don't know. But uh, it was more dynamic 
under buy-in. He really challenged the players. He, he held them accountable. And I think Nagy is uh, maybe a little too, uh, too friendly of a, of a coach. And the players really kind of thrive on the, 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 the tough love that the enemy uh, gave them. Do you think the enemy is head coach material? I've thought that for a long time, but yet he keeps not getting hired. So there must be something there. I mean, he's, he is a very blunt speaker. Uh, he may not interview well as a result. You know, people usually when they go into an interview, uh, try to say what they think the people want to hear that's going to be making the decisions. And I think he's really stubborn and he is what he is. Uh, but I, I think uh, he, he's got potential to be an NFL head coach, and I hope he gets that chance. I don't know so, what I'm hearing in the background. Uh, I guess I'm we something in the background. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? What can I say? Um, uh, Go ahead, yeah, Peter. Yeah. So, thank you. Uh, hold on, Amazon, softer. Thank you. Um, we, pro we probably should talk about the uh, other game. Uh, yeah, uh, San Francisco, uh, Detroit. Basically, uh, I, Dan Campbell losing his brain. Yeah, I think God that's probably idea. right. He lost his brain. Let's just call it what it is. You were well. Up, I mean, well, now should should a guy should a guy he's he's been aggressive all season. So yeah, should he change? Just well, because when it's the championship. Let me let me put the question out here on the floor. Here, you're up seventeen, right? You hold them to a field goal. At worst, you got a four to six yard field goal. You're back up three scores. They're chasing you. You're yeah. not chasing them. So here's my question. Don't you think maybe Dan Campbell lost his brain and actually got back crap crazy because of, oh, analytics? I hate to say it, but I think analytics cost him this game. You, you're, you're basically making the 49ers have to chase you the rest of the yeah. way. Yeah. Of course, the, the Gibbs fumble really uh, kicked the door open, too. But Exactly. It comes but down to the, the, the two field goals. And, yeah, I mean, you, you look at Andy Reid. You know, they kicked four field goals against Miami. They add sure up. Did. You know, you got to have some points out of uh, uh, getting deep in the other team's territory. So, and yeah, I, mean, I, I, think I, I love Dan Campbell I mean, and his aggressiveness and uh, the whole Detroit story. I was all up in it. But, uh, yeah, two times – not going forward on fourth down when you got a makeable field goal. I mean, at worst, you're you're tied, and, and at best, you win anyway. And here's the thing. If he kicks both those field goals and San Fran gets the lead, you're up 34-30. So if you go down and score that touchdown, there's right. barely less than a minute left. Who knows? You're probably going to the Super Bowl, and Jake Moody had already missed a kick. So there's probably no way that I would trust Jake Moody with a 40-something-yard field goal on his worst hash mark. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Much like uh, Tyler Bass last week, who mm -hmm. wrote his name up alongside Scott Norwood in the, the book of uh, Bills. Peter put him in, made him famous by signing his his emails wide right. <laughs> yes, uh <-huh. laughs> he did. <laughs> yes, uh, he did. What, 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 uh, what am I, uh, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 uh, uh, Michael, your your question, though, is a good one about, uh, and I don't quite know how to answer it, because because uh, on, on one hand, you know, the guy was successful by being aggressive. I mean, you know, that's the way he, he coached all year. On the other hand, it's sort of hard to to sort of make the case 
they that he made the right call. I mean, especially. I mean, it's Pete. It's, it's a four, it's it's fourth and three at the at the San Fran twenty eight. I understand it's like right call, whatever. But sometimes you got to not be aggressive and just take the points and make the number one seed have to panic because you're in a better position than they are because that means they have to score three times and that basically means who knows if Brock Purdy makes those runs or makes that big humongous deflected pass throw to Brandon Ayuk if it's not a three-score game but due to the fact that it's only a two-score game and then it's a one-score game they can do that because now that turnover with James, that, that uh, fumble with Jameer Gibbs, not only opens the door because they'd already scored off that miss that you didn't get. So you basically gave them a triple score. Basically, is what you did. You basically gave them a whole deck of cards, and they used them all and got back in the game and beat you. But but in fairness, but in fairness to the to the kick Campbell, there are at least two or three big plays that you know that uh, they're the. Uh, Lions quarterback threw and the receivers dropped. Exactly. And Reynolds one dropped of those two plays, of them. We wouldn't be having these conversations, I don't think. Josh Reynolds dropped two of them. And yeah, one of those so, was a fourth you know, and three. It, that it, was it, the fourth it, and three that he missed. But but I, I, I tend to agree with you, Luther. I think, you know, at least that field goal to make, you know, to get Some, back sometimes to 17 made, made sense, makes sense. Art, and I don't know, Art might agree with this, but sometimes, and when the with these coaches and players, sometimes you just got to protect yourself from yourself and just take yep. what you can get, especially when you're when you're in a position where you have a chance to knock off a number one seed at home. And both number yep. one seeds may not have made the Super Bowl if you don't lose your lunch and take a big old pee down your leg when you're up comfortably. You got to finish that. I mean, you yep. got to finish that. Yeah, three three points is better than zero points. Exactly. And instead you got zero point. not once, but twice. Right. All right, I want and, to talk about a play during the Chiefs-Ravens game that I'm trying to understand in my own mind. It looked like <laughs> the Ravens were going to have a touchdown. It was 17. I know the one uh, you're talking about. 14, had it been yeah. successful. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, after everybody was happy and kumbaya and everything else, touchback. It's the play that is referred to as North Korea, where if you fumble it in the end zone – and the defense does nothing at all out the back of the end zone. It's an automatic touchback because the defense had to do didn't have to do any work because the receiver put the ball on the ground. Why do they that's, call it North Korea? Because that's their that's the only area of the field that is not that is protected by the defense. The end oh. zone is the only part of the field that is protected. And if you fumble it through the end zone, and Art Art knows this from two weeks ago against Buffalo when they went with that jet sweep with Nicole Hardman, same thing. He tried to dive. Ball comes out over the goal line. Bills get it off of nothing at all. Yeah, that that was on Hardman. Yeah, that's first yep. down. And I mean, same thing get with on Flowers. The, get on the ground, man, at the one yard line. You got three more downs to get it. Ex in. And so same thing with him. Flowers. Yeah. Get down. But with yeah. Flowers, yeah, he was trying to stretch the ball out, but it was vulnerable. And Sneed made a proactive play and knocked it yep. away. And so that, uh, but it yeah, still that, falls that, under the same premise, fine. though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you just it would have been seventeen. Down. It would have been seventeen thirteen, and then seventeen fourteen. Well, it'd be seventeen fourteen if they had. Yeah, yeah, because you got you got Mister Automatic over on their sideline who doesn't miss. Yeah. Nor does Harrison Butker. I mean, they're well, the two too. most accurate field goal kickers in NFL history. 
I would take the I would take those two over any uh, over um, over Jake Moody any day of the week. <laughs> The, 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 the question sort of becomes, is this a good rule, right? I mean, there, uh, yeah. you know, and, and uh, basically the arguments that I've heard seem to think, you know, the offense is so so much favored in the NFL. This is the one thing that defense gets. And uh, that seems to be the general no, thing the heard on, from, on, uh, from retired players who are broadcasters. From what I'm hearing, the competition committee – is going to look at that rule to see if it's going to be worth changing. And I don't know if they're going to do that. Well, what what do you do? I mean, the ball goes out the back of the end zone. Whose ball is it? Well, apparently it's defense's ball because he didn't didn't protect it. Procession is nine-tenths of the law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't give it back to the offense because they fumbled into the end zone. I wonder if we're going to get to the point where where the defense gets the ball at the fumble spot instead of it going straight through the end zone for a touchback. That's what I wonder. Instead of automatic 20 yard line, you got to start at the one, like, or maybe the two, depending on where the ball first pops out. That's what, that's what I'm wondering if they may change that North Korea rule too. Yeah. I'd I'd not be in favor of that, but I I could see that that's a possibility, but certainly it's got to be the defense's ball somewhere. The Ken, the Ken John Uhl version of football's North Korea. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. We'll send Dennis Rodman over there to uh, negotiate the fourth. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Uh, the worm. The worm. <laughs> a little yeah. a little wha- a little whack-a-mole. Go figure. So we have almost <laughs> two weeks to ponder who's going to win the Super Bowl. I think it might be a little premature to predict, although if you want to, that's fine. I, Bob, if you don't mind, um, I don't have, I don't have one of those, you know, baby, 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 you know, we we have a bulletin. Yes. It's it's Uh just, this just came in. I'm, I'm, I'm. On MLB? Yeah. Dr. Dr. James Andrews is calling it a career at age 81. Wow! I didn't uh, know he was eighty-one. You mean the, the legend, is that the, the guy that does the Tommy John surgeries? He does. Well, he was. He was trained right. and mentored by by Doctor Frank Job, who, yeah, right. who died many years ago now. Sure was. But the last few decades, it's been Doctor Andrews or bust if you wanted your career saved with yeah. Tommy John surgery. Exactly. I remember telling people that whenever a player gets injured like that, and whenever I hear Doctor Andrews' name in relation to that it's player, trouble. I'm always expecting Tommy John. Yes, to no, yeah, and that, that's usually that's usually like the one thing that they always go to, or they go to the ligament. They always go to one of those other ligament reroute things to fix a injury, but it's mostly going to be Tommy John. The article didn't say who's going to be, you know, the next man up, but there's got to there's got to be a next man up. I'll, I'll put it, Don. I'll put it this way: whoever it is, they're going to have some big shoes to fill. Oh yeah, I can tell you okay. that. And this or happens not. too many times. There's yeah, got to be a next man yeah, up. That, too many guys are having Tommy John. It's the problem, like the girls in women's basketball with their ACLs. ACLs. There's yeah, too AC many still them. coming back from that. Well, not this year. She ain't. Uh, no, not this year. And it's and it's only one of the five people on my my UConn team that just had me want to 
make my head explode because they're they're they'll never make the Sweet Sixteen this year. Well, they'll they'll probably make the Sweet Sixteen, but but as we always talk about when we get to March, it comes down to matchups. And Saturday night they got outworked and, and they got and, punked. They and got they, they get And let me let me tell you, Heladell, uh, uh, uh Dell, that that young lady from Notre Dame. She was playing grown woman hoops. They were she was she was making she was making UConn look like hicks. She was getting what she wanted when she wanted, like at the Ritz Carlton. Everything was easy. Everything one more baseball note hard. before we turn it back to our guest. One more baseball note while I'm thinking about it. Jimmy Williams passed away. Ew. Uh, yes, former I, man, former I manager of the, I of the Red Sox. Right? The Red Sox. Red yeah. Sox and uh, I think Toronto. I believe yeah. he managed. Right. Maybe a couple of other teams passed I away so. this week. Yeah, Jimmy okay. Williams. So I wanted to mention that while we were on the subject of baseball news. Yeah, he was. So, uh, as, I, as I recall, Andrews also was involved with college football as well, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was. Didn't he also do knee surgery for? for oh yeah, knee, yeah. He, he was players? a big knee and knee and hip guy. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a friend here in Springfield, Missouri, that had uh, knee surgery with Dr. Andrews in Birmingham. So you know, we we hear about all the high profile athletes, but he would uh, operate on regular people too. I did not know that. Now, yeah. And they were in the article I saw was talking about how <laughs> Dr. Andrews was consulting with Jeff Bagwell about a mm. possible operation that Bagwell needed back in the day. But at uh. the time, what they kept quiet was Dr. Andrews was coming off of at least a double, if not a triple or quadruple bypass. Wow. And he's in, in his own hospital you know, so recovering from this, and he has, and he's Bagwell, working on somebody else's behalf. Well, he's, he's doing a, a cons consult with Well, I don't know if he ever ultimately got the job done, but I don't know. But geez, that's when you're that's in the early stages of recovering up. from anything like that. I can't imagine you, you know, taking your time, you know, to do another consult. Exactly. Some cookie. So, how long have you been the voice of Missouri State? Just out of curiosity, uh, forty-three years. Wow, Holy smokes! And no, you, no. you had and you had you had a little road to recovery yourself not too long ago. That kept yeah, off the air for a while. Still working on it, in fact. But uh, were you there Nile with Fox. Jackie Styles? Oh uh, yeah, I know Jackie Styles well. And Caitlin Clark is four points away from passing her Holy as smokes. the number three scorer of all time. Jackie Caitlin Sen Clark, she yeah. is to be special. You, oh, you're never going to believe this, but a. a Friend of mine, future and a future intern of mine, before we brought him on board, broadcast the game when Jackie Styles passed up the record and was then number one scorer in the world in in the country. Right. Yeah. Um, they were playing Creighton, and that's where our future intern was the broadcaster for Creighton. Wow! So in my collection, I've got that game when Jackie, you know, passed that record, and now what, you tell me. She's been intern, passed up. Would that intern happen to be John, the current voice of the Blue Jays, John Bishop? No, his name was Matt Willicky. Oh, I remember. I think I remember that guy. And Somewhere, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what he's doing now. After we let him go at the end of his internship, I don't know if he ever did another I don't know. Game. I think I might have chewed on him a little too hard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like Eric Bannon. But, but, uh, but no, uh, Jackie, uh, our, I was there the night she broke the record and was a wow. young lady from Jackson State. They had flown her in for the game. They stopped the game. 
dropped a banner out of the scoreboard and went on for about 10 minutes while the, she got all these proclamations and then they finished the game. And then your, then your team went to the final four that year and you played they, Purdue, played was per, it? Purdue, yeah, and, Katie and, Douglas. And UConn flamed out against Notre Dame again. And, yeah. and that was like, what was it? That Was that the, what year was that? The 2001. Diana yeah, that, yeah, it was. was a freshman. Oh, what and, a that, and this was before Ruth Riley in 2003. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man, that was a State Lady Bears encountered her, too, uh, a couple of years down the road. Did you, you did both of them, right? Before, um, no, who's the current, who's the, well, who's the current guy now? Was the coach back then. No, who who's the current voice of the Lady Bears now? Because when they're going to we did both. Yeah, Tom Ladd. Uh, he's been the voice most of the time since 1995. So, uh, yeah, he was in on the whole Jackie career, and he is he's again the their announcer. Yeah, he's 38. Well, Art, Art, didn't you have a stint with uh, KRLD in Dallas for for a while? I did, I did. We uh, I'd gone to to college in Dallas at SMU and had made some contacts down there. So. Uh, we went to Dallas for four years, and I worked at KRLD, and uh, you know was just a sports announcer on staff, and worked some of the SMU games. We had a Southwest Conference football radio network back in those days that oh, yeah. all the schools in the conference except Arkansas participated in. So I was in a studio, just kind of a, a boiler room there, and you know we'd do halftime for Baylor versus TCU, and then okay, it's halftime at Texas versus SMU, and go over to that, but. Uh, yeah, that those were fun times, but we came back here in 1985. I've been back here ever since, and the uh, the Chiefs thing came along kind of late, and uh, that's been a, a great thing to be a part of. In addition to to still calling the Bears games, were you were you around were you around SMU when they had got the death penalty? Was was that while you while you, while you were in Texas? Well, I had left. I was there during the Dickerson James days when they were. We're winning all the games. They went 41-4-1 over that four-year period. Uh, some great wins, some great games. Uh, I got to broadcast a couple, but uh, most of it was just in the stands as a fan. But uh, after we got back to Missouri is when things went off the rails and all the revelations took place. If you all have seen the uh, 30 for 30. Yes, I have. Again. Uh, yes. I'm in it for about two seconds when they, <laughs> they hire Bobby Collins as the new coach, and I'm you can see the back of my head, and I put a mic up on the mic stand to record the uh, the, uh, the the press conference. So that was my little claim to that one. But I I lived all that. I was I was right in the middle of it as a reporter and, and avid follower of the of what was going on. Who was the voice of SMU at that time? Because I know Rich Phillips is currently doing it now. Well, back then, like I say, for football, the Southwest Conference Radio Network. Yep. So uh, it, would just, it would just be depending the on the schools. So, so Brad Sham, who's the voice of the yeah. Cowboys to this oh, day, yes. uh, did uh, most of the SMU play-by-play. Uh, I got to do one or two games when he had Cowboys conflicts. But uh, uh, then for basketball, each team was on its own, and Brad did those games too, and I usually uh, went with him. And before the Cowboys season was over, uh, I would do most of the games in December. Got to go one time to uh, Hawaii. Uh, SMU played uh, in the little Chaminade tournament. How much football, fun was that? That was, and then the football team came out at the end of the week to play Notre Dame in the Aloha Bowl. So yeah. my wife and I just stayed for both. And uh, hello, yeah, <laughs> all expense paid. 
Like beat, yeah, beat, <laughs> beat Notre Dame. That was uh, Jerry Faust was coaching, and Mark Bavaro was their tight end, and Steve Berline okay, that, was their quarterback. And That brings up yeah. the obvious question. Was the late, great, legendary Tony Roberts still the worst? In, I think he was still the worst in Notre oh, Dame yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, I was sure he was, yeah. I, I, I don't know if Alan Pinkett was doing those games yet or not, because I know him and Tony did the games for a good while on Westwood One. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was quite quite yet or not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Jerry Faust, uh, you know, not remembered well at Notre Dame, but he, he gave me about 30 minutes behind the podium after a banquet the night before the game and, you know, gave me some background. He was very gracious. This was after Aaron Parsegian. Right, yeah. I found Tony Roberts extreme. I know he was uh, uh, immortal. I found him as, as a broadcaster really annoying. Um, <laughs> he he did football and he did Westwood One hoops. So he did, he did basketball too. I think. College yeah, basketball. he did. He did college yeah. basketball. Yeah, I just, uh, I just found him. I just found him. And even the Washington Senators in their final year. Oh, did you do that too? Didn't know yes. that. Yes, he did. Nineteen seventy-one. Yeah, Hello. before they moved to Dallas. He and Ron Manchin. Hello. So, track. Uh, how, are, how are the um, – I know Missouri State usually does fairly well in has basketball. Uh, at least they have the How are they doing this year? They're a 12-9. and nine. They really hit a skid in January. But then last Wednesday, they had a huge win over Drake, which is – it was the number one ranked mid-major in the country and wow. had beaten – Missouri State uh, by 18 in Des Moines in December, and uh, the Bears just played a great game and uh, and beat them in double overtime, 83 to 80. It was a classic, and then they followed that up with a win on Saturday. So maybe they uh, can kind of flip a switch and get it going here down the stretch. How do you think Dana Ford in his what is it sixth year now? I guess since sixth he left year. Tennessee State, right? Because I remember it, he was a t- he did pretty well when he was at TSU, and then he went to Missouri State, I think, in 2018. That would be right, yeah. Because I, I knew he'd gone over there, and I'm like, okay. Because I knew I knew it had been at least five or six years since he had, you know, started over. It. Like, what do you what, yeah. do you think his style has changed, or do you think just the players that he's had to deal with to fit you know, the his, style it, that he wants to play has changed? His second year, he had a fantasy team. I mean, they would have been you know, you'd have picked him on your fantasy college basketball team if there was such a thing, but they just didn't fit together as a team very well. And then, uh, you know, they, they've had some pretty mediocre seasons, including last year, 17-15. Got right. just about everybody back with a couple of additions. Although one that they lost in the transfer portal was Jonathan Mogbo. He's playing for San Francisco now and is their leading scorer and rebounder. And they're a factor in the West Coast there with yes, St. Mary's and, and Gonzaga. So I think lost they're sitting him. third. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, we, we we haven't asked if any of our guests are. No, we haven't, have we? Have oh any hands up? So yeah, our, we were just waiting <laughs> for the opportunity. We wanted to give uh, ourselves a chance to ask as many questions of our guests as we can. But Steve, this is a good opportunity mm-hmm. to bring our participants into the discussion. So let us know if there are any hands raised at this time. Okay, uh, no hands raised right now. Let us know if there are, and we'll, uh, we'll take the first caller we get. So we, I think we need to talk about the portal. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, since no, we're already here. Since we're already <laughs> here, and, uh, you know, uh, college <laughs> sports is changing under our, uh, you know. Uh, it, it's changing, changing under our feet. What, do you, what are your thoughts about day. all of this? 
Well, I mean, that's where we are right now. I, I don't like it, but uh, the courts have held that the players have freedom of movement. So you've got to remake your team pretty much every year. I saw the other day TCU, they're a kind of average power five team, but five players back from last year, five transfers. I think that's pretty normal around college basketball. and uh, you, you don't know how they're going to fit together. You don't really have a chance to get them in your system over a long period of time when they're moving from school to school, but it is what it is. Well, you know, Art, I have a very good question. This whole transfer trend that's going on in colleges, isn't a lot of what goes on in college have to do with your major as well as sports? Now, are they transferring to colleges with similar major opportunities? Well, that's a great major. opportunity. I mean, great question. It used to be, you know, when they uh, uh, would transfer, they only added the graduate transfer rule, oh, seven or eight years ago, probably. And to transfer, it had to be to a school that, uh, had a certain major that you wanted that your present school didn't have. Well, that's just out the window now. So, yeah, that's a great question as to, uh, I mean, obviously the credits transfer, but how that uh, applies toward getting an actual degree in the end uh, through uh, how many hours you need for that major. Well, especially in the moneymaker sports, these guys major in sports. That's all there is right. to it. They, they do. And the, and, the, yeah. and the three big letters that are going to be the biggest factor on where they go is N I L. Sure. Sure. There's going to be the big three that we'll be hearing. Oh, this player transferred. And then they start coming out with how much money these guys can make with these deals for their name, image, and likeness with like a car dealership or, you know, or a a, a transportation company or a garage door place. Is sure. anything that they can make cash on that has their name on it. If, the, if that school, you know, if they're willing to transfer and go get it, and that's what they're going to do. Well, and I, Matt I, I, Rule. Think that, I think that has more to do with it than 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 Bob's question about the well, Yeah, I mean, you, the, it's, I think it's, the money, the amount of money, and the, the schools that have the biggest financial backing mm-hmm. should, you know, should. Attract, attract the, the, the players. It's kind of like professional teams who... Who, who buy a team, you know, mm-hmm. dish out the most money. Well, it's it's a salary cap deal, really. How much do you have? You dole it out accordingly to who who's the, the best player to improve the market value of your team. Matt Rule, and, how, and, how, and how much coach. are you willing to pay? I mean, yeah. how, how much is the school, if you transfer to that particular school and say, hey, I yeah. want a piece of, I want, say, a hundred thou to have my name, image, and likeness on, say, this car dealership yeah. in this particular car. Is that school going to be willing to say, "Okay, little Johnny, we'll pay you that with conditions"? Are you, are they willing to pay that? Yeah, I mean, that's a, and then at the end of the day, it's up to the school. Yeah, the the schools are able to manage that and direct the players to where they can get the money. Matt Rule, the new coach at Nebraska, said. You know, $2 million to get an adequate Power 5 quarterback. Sam Pittman, the coach at Arkansas, said, you know, you need 8 to $10 million a year in NIL money in order to successfully compete in the SEC. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's like like a lot of things. The, the rich get richer. Exactly. But, and well, I, it, didn't I, hurt, I, it didn't hurt that, that, on, that, ahead, that uh, Nebraska, uh, the, the quarterback's dad, he, he 
he hired the dad as a as an as a coach or uh, no that helps. <laughs> that helps. That helps. <laughs> and then and then and then his dad recruited the son. So uh, yeah. yeah, you you know yeah. that was going you. Hey Mike, you know that was going to be a part of the family business. You know that, right? Sure. I mean, come on. Uh, well, now, Columbia did that decades and decades ago and with a guy named Garrett was his last name, and he had three sons, Judge, John, and Jason. And Jason Garrett became famous. And yeah. when he got run out of Columbia, he took all his sons with him to Princeton, and they all got their sheepskin from there. Mm -hmm. well, and Jason ended up being a coach for the Cowboys, Michael. Yep. And, then he, and then he was the offensive yeah. coordinator for the Giants. And, uh, and, uh, and now he's on TV. Well, hey, right. I knew he got famous. I didn't know who with. Yeah, he's he's on Sunday Night Football. He's on NBC Sunday Night Football Night in America. How do you like that? And Deion Sanders recruited his son to be his quarterback. Yeah, Sador Sador Sanders at Colorado. Yeah, I think I think he I think didn't he just pick up a who was it a big time another flipped another big time recruit from another big time university from somewhere? I just heard like a couple of weeks ago. I think he did. Didn't he? Yeah, I didn't hear, but I know he's. I know he's using the the transfer portal. Oh, big time to rebuild the team. I mean, I got, smoke a, meat. <laughs> got a story from years ago at SMU. They had a basketball coach named Sonny Allen, whose son was an excellent high school player. Well, it was kind of sensitive even then with the SMU and getting put on probation repeatedly, mostly in football. But they asked Coach Allen, "Well, are you going to give Billy?" his son, a car to come play for you. He said, no, but I'm going to take one away if he doesn't. The other thing that I don't like about this is at a school like UConn, my beloved Huskies, the coach is a tough nut to crack. That's all there is to it. Coach, well, yeah. you know, is a tough nut. He he coaches. By golly, he coaches. And you got players, and rarely has this happened before, but it's it's been happening somewhat more now. People are leaving University of Connecticut. People who, you know, player, players who don't like being coached the way Gino coaches. They don't like his well, tough, think, tough think love approach. It. And they want to be spoiled and pampered by some other school where, yeah, you know, the coach has a gentler hand. If look, not at, a look at look at Hoff, look at Hoffbarger. She left UConn to go to Arkansas. Yeah, and, and that, look at where they're at. Look at look at look at some of the other players that UConn was after. Don Staley got most of them in South Carolina. She's running. She's got the number one team in the country. I don't, they just I know it. by seventeen. Not too I know on, on Sunday. I'm aware of that. Look at look at look at what Lisa Bluter and I was doing with Caitlin Clark. They're building around her. You got, you got, I mean, in this day and age, you need to have at least one or two stars and build around them the rest of the way. That's how, that's how basketball's becoming. It's always been that way, but it's becoming even more obvious now that if you don't have a couple of superstars and you don't have the right pieces to fit around them, you're not going to get as far as you would like. And it means coaches like Gino can't coach. And well, Bobby, they can. Bobby, Bobby Knight is dead, so we don't have to worry about him. And so, well, is Bo well Bobby Pat Knight Summit, was the only but those, dude that actually hit the scores table and those, made the scoreboard go nuts. So Bobby Knight and Pat Summit and Coach oh, Gino are oh. three three coaches. If I had a 
child mm. I'd want them to be coached by any oh, of those Lord. three. I would. No, don't get me started on no Pat Summit. Don't get me started on her. Oh, good Lord. Well, even though UConn, I didn't. UConn and Tennessee in the women's game. I didn't like rivalry. her because of that rivalry. Yeah, oh, but if, but, but. That, 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 that women's college basketball a, on that rivalry alone changed. As, as a coach, I would want, you know, her to coach my, my child. Oh, Tell yes. me about it. Because God knows she was a terrific she woman was a, from, she, in that way. But the only I reason the I said story stuff film, about her was because of the rivalry. I remember the SEC film, because I, I don't know if any of you guys watched it, on Pat Summit herself. They had they interviewed her, and they interviewed the players that she that she coached. Never they did. asked one of the players a question, could Pat Summit play for herself? Uh-huh. Literally. Good and question. Like, I don't know, because she was I, I, so tough. I'm I'm curious. Uh, uh, I, I have to ask this question because I'm formerly from Columbia, Missouri. Missouri uh, Tigers football team was remarkably good this year. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz has got that team go. He's got that team rolling. I, mean, I, I don't know if it's going to happen next year, but probably but, not because you're lo- you're losing your core. I think you're losing your quarterback Cook, and you're losing a no, few other guys. I think he's going to come back. Oh, he is. Yeah, okay. that's, that's what, yeah. well, that helps. But what, what, what are you going to do? Still there. Yeah, but what are you going to do about the other receivers and maybe who's going to be the lead dog at tailback and maybe at yeah. tight end? Well, you may have a couple a, of those spots to fill. They got a little guy from a Division II school that set an SEC record in rushing this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Coach Drew, so, how, how is it like? We out-tussled, we out-tussled them for Ryan Wingo. We got Wingo too. <laughs> so, but well, no, they, hey. he was he was really on the hot seat going into the season, and then he, yeah, goes he was too and wins a bowl game. So now he's yeah, and uh, against Big Bad Ohio State. State of all teams. Yeah, yeah. Big bad Ohio State. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Little Missouri in the biggest baddest conference in the land would knock off Big Ten. Big bad Ohio State. Really? Yeah. Come on now. Who's, so who's I, I guess my, my, my question. They had a few players not playing, but but still, that was a yeah. Kyle McCord, I think, transferred somewhere. I don't know where. I don't know where he's Syracuse. latched on to. Syracuse. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Leaves see, Ohio but, State for Syracuse. Talk see, about but, sucking but in the ACC. That's the point. The point is these folks. These folks want to want to play, and if but they here's the problem: to, to, if to you play, play a school like Syracuse, it's going to it's going to even out the talent. But Pete, them. here's the problem: if you play and yet you don't do well in the ACC, let let's let's say Syracuse again finishes four and eight. Let's say they finish five and seven. I don't know if they found a new coach yet because they just fired Dino Babers not too long ago. Yeah. So. I gotta, I gotta ask this question: If Syracuse keeps floundering in the ACC, at what point do we say maybe Syracuse isn't as good in football as everybody thinks they are, and they're just a basketball school? Because they they're always have been good. a basketball school. They're not very good in basketball these days either. Well, Adrian Red Autry's got to fit. You know, he, he's a Jim Beheim disciple, but he doesn't play a lot of zone unless he absolutely has to. So he's still got to figure out. The players that will fit what he wants to run, and that takes a minute. But but uh, but Luther, uh, what my my if I'm a player and I'm you know second string on a on a good Ohio or State third string or fourth third string, and I have a chance to go to a place where I'm gonna I'm gonna you know get a chance to play full round, I would I would look at that pretty pretty uh, pretty seriously. Yeah, you know, but um, again, do you so. do you do you just want to play and do you want to just fulfill your education and your degree? 
Or are you one of these players that you want to see beyond what's in front of you and to try to get to the next level, try to get to the NFL? Then that probably means you're not going to go to a sucky unit, to a slap nut, slap happy awesome out of you university and play at the hostess bakery cupcake factory. You're not doing well. I, I guess my response to that is, and I'm curious uh, what other people think about this. If, 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 I'm, if my talent's being hidden because I'm third string and I have a chance or to fourth play, string, I, I think I think I am pro football material, whether I am or not. I think I have a better shot of making the NFL by playing on a not as good a team, but but starting. Or you, or you may have to drop down a level. I mean, how how many players are it over the years have we seen? go from D1 to 1AA and, you know, go down to D2 and D3 and still crack an NFL roster. Well, a heck of a lot of uh, 1AA or FCS players in the NFL. And, uh, you know, North Dakota State alone has produced a good number of them and now South mm-hmm. Dakota State. So, yep, yeah, the Jacks. It, it's it's a great uh, level of football. And, yeah, that's there have been a lot of cases of that, of guys dropping down uh, uh, and, and performing very well at that next level and then getting a chance. I think the FCS in playoffs, I think they got it right. But I wonder with now with this 12-team playoff, how this is going to fit. Because you got to figure out conference championships too. Or are they just going to go away and you just take your best your best two and just go from there and just seed and unseed and go from there? Well, I think and you're going to take the, the, we're down to four uh, major conferences. The The American might, uh, might have an argument for being a fifth, but you'll have those conference champions and then You'll have a spot re- reserved for the the group of five, like before the six at large. Yep. I, I, but I think the FCS has it right because they got like the the top what is it the top five or six automatic seeds, and then you got the unseeded. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I just think the FCS has it right. I think. Yeah, if you're a top eight, you get a first round buy, and yep. uh, and then go and, from there. And Art knows that very well. Here at, here at Missouri State, there for a couple of years we had it going with Bobby Petrino. You know, this is we're the school that uh, that hired him and resurrected his career, and he turned the football program ar- around immediately from one and ten to playoffs in one year, and playoffs the second year, and now he's uh, back at Arkansas. You know, as often I think he's back as the OC, isn't he not? He is. He is, oh, and he Jesus. left his son-in-law here to be the next head coach. Uh, and you know he's a 35 years old, but I uh, think he's going to do a good job. Well, we'll see you in August on that one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Arthur, you are a radio talk show host, am I correct? I used to be. I did. I gave that up uh, here about a year ago, but I, I did that from gosh 1995 to 22, I guess. Wow. Where were you heard? It was on uh, KWTO uh, FM in here in Springfield, Missouri. The flagship station, if I'm not mistaken, still of the Double A Baby Cardinals in Springfield. That's right. Jocks they 98 are. Seven. That is uh, not anymore. They're they're on different station now, but uh, they, they, they were for the longest time. They were. Yeah, for about the first uh, almost twenty years of their existence. With Mike Lindskog for the most of that run, and then it was Jeff Levering for a while. I don't know yeah. who it is now, but I know Andrew those two. Bushbinder is doing it now. They've only had three announcers, and they came around in 05, So I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, about 20 and, years. And Mike Linskog was the first one. He was. He was. And then he went and back now to he went to, he went to he went to single. He's now at Rancho Cucamonga at single A. Yeah, exactly. And he's been doing that for a minute. Owned by George Bratton, if I'm right. Oh, yeah. George That's Bratton's right. team. That's right. That, that, put, that put Rancho Cucamonga together. 
that was uh, some some of my great memories in sports uh, revolved around George Brett when I was uh, you know a younger guy. Mm-hmm. So he hit four hundred in nineteen eighty. Yep, yeah. with the Kansas Almost. City Royals and the Yankees and the Almost. ALCS. Almost. Yeah, yeah, lost so, three straight times, and then we have about a couple more minutes. So Peter, I know you have something. Go to say. ahead. I was just going to ask you what what your experience as a talk show was in Springfield. Was it primarily were the topics of discussion, you know, primarily Missouri sports, or was it more was it more was it broader than that? It was primarily uh, state sports, Missouri State, uh, Royals, Cards, Chiefs, a little bit of Blues. Uh, we would talk about national topics and uh, you know have guests and and uh, take phone calls just like your your normal talk show. So, so you uh, um, and you you mentioned briefly about recovering from was it Niles? I, I you know your your disease. How how is that going for you? I, I from what I understand that's sort of a chronic thing. Uh, how you how you well, doing? Yeah, doing doing much better. Uh, a year ago, they didn't think I was going to live, and now I'm I'm back in Springfield, and I'm still at a uh, rehab facility, but hoping to get home here in the next couple of months or so, and. I'm doing the home basketball games. I'm able to do the Chiefs broadcast from down here on the internet. It nice. sounds like a studio. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I am planning on going to the Missouri Valley Conference tournament in St. Louis here in, in early March and really looking forward to that. How close do you think you might be? I know we're running out of time, but how close do you think you might be from being back doing full time again? Like, what, what do you like? What's the goals that your team is telling you, like, how close do they think you are? How close do you feel like you are? Well, you know, I, my legs don't work right now. I mean, I've, I've got full, full movement in my legs. I've got oh. arm movement. I've got upper uh, torso movement, but just not okay. my legs. So yeah. we're, uh, we're still, you know, little, little uh, victories each day and hoping, exactly. and hoping it gets that wear. But in the meantime, I've got a power chair and I can get around well and do things. But the, uh, the, the long travel, is something that uh, we're, we didn't try to do this year on, on the games, and we've got some capable people filling in. We've got a guy who in town is a local TV anchor, was the voice of the Rams in St. Louis, Steve Savard. For oh, my Lord. 16 <laughs> years. So we got him to do the road football this year. I was surprised he, when they got him on board on the broadcast. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> when they said that, I was surprised. Yeah. Well, Gentlemen, he, our he time. Loved, our time has expired, it. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yep. was a fast hour. Arthur Haynes, I want to thank you for taking time. Good luck with your recovery. I'm, I'm sure no you'll kidding. do fine. We'll be praying for you. Uh, great job on the radio. Great job doing what you do. Yeah, you're a valuable asset to the football and college community. We appreciate you. And hopefully we'll have you back again very soon on the program. Sounds Thanks for good. taking I, the time. Really and of course, well. For the rest of you, thank you very much, Don, Michael, Peter, Luther, Steve. Thanks for being our host. And thank you to our listeners. And we'll see you again next week where we'll be predicting who's going to win the Super Bowl, the 49ers or Chiefs. We'll find out. God bless everybody.